Hey folks, welcome to episode four of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome folks to episode four. And today our guest is Laura McKean of Cohen Highly LLP Lawyers. And Laura is a partner at the firm. And uh, today in the episode with Laura, we talk about the uh, inclusion practices that Cohen Hiley um, has used and evolved over the last 25 years. Um, and Laura is going to share the success that they've had with uh, employing individuals that have a, a disability. Um, Laura also works with a lot of other uh companies uh, to provide consultancy and uh, legal advice um, when it comes to disability. So Laura has a wealth of knowledge both as an employer and uh, working with other employers um, uh, as, a, as a lawyer um, on, on disability. So um, Laura also talks about how to best present yourself as a job candidate with a disability. Uh, we talk about some of the myths that are out there around employing uh, someone with a, with a disability. And we also talk about the benefits of hiring an individual with a disability. So uh, we're going to welcome in Laura. So enjoy the, enjoy the show. Hey, Laura, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to have you on. And Laura is a partner at Cohen Hiley. And Cohen Hiley in 2016 was recognized for winning the um, David C. Onley uh, Award for Leadership and Accessibility. So, Laura, would you be able to tell us uh, a little bit about uh, Cohen Hiley and uh, your practices with um, employing people with disability? Sure. Over the last um, about 25 years, Cohen Hiley, um, through our, our own employment practices, have really strived to uh, be an inclusive employer and to um, specifically employ people with disabilities. So what we did was partner with Community Living London um, and for the last you know, about 20, 25 years, we've um, had an employee supported by Community Living London um, as part of our workforce. That's fantastic. And um, so that relationship's been in place for about 25 years now, is that correct? Yeah. And it's a really interesting relationship and, and one that I think has benefited both organizations greatly. Um, for instance, I now sit on the board of Community Living London. I think they're a fantastic organization. We've also um, helped to raise over $400,000 for Community Living London through our annual golf tournament. Um, so it's a really beneficial relationship between the two organizations um, in terms of not only getting wonderful employees through them, um, and, and getting the job coaching and the supports from community living, but also um, in terms of bringing advocacy and awareness to uh, the benefits of employing people with disabilities. That's amazing. Um, 
I mean, <laughs> bravo on the work that uh, that you're doing with Community Living and, and helping to raise funds to support that organization as well. And um, is it just your work through Community Living where you're employing uh, folks with disability or are there others as well? Um, because the stats show that about one in five people um, have some sort of disability. Yeah, so like most employers, um, we have nearly 100 employees at Cohen Hiley. Okay. So... Uh, um, we do employ people with disabilities. Um, most employers are um, employing people with disabilities, whether they know it or not. Um, not all um, employees who have disabilities require accommodations uh, to perform their jobs. So like most employers, um, we employ a, a diverse workforce, or we, we look to employ a diverse and inclusive workforce. Uh, and as part of that, we have employees who require some accommodations uh, to perform their job. And the way that we look at it is we're a law firm. And when we operate efficiently, we maximize our profits. We operate on an hourly rate model. So the more hours that I can work in a day, the more billable hours I can work in a day, the more profit the firm makes. So anything that the firm can do to make me more efficient in my job is beneficial for everyone. So in terms of looking at accommodations, it's also seen as a way to make our employees more productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to maybe give a couple of examples of um, accommodations that you've made at Cohen highly to enable people to be more effective and efficient in their job? So some of the accommodations that um, we've dealt with are um, issues related to vision. So in terms of employees who require um, larger screens or software to enable um or modifications to, to some software, it involves us maybe contacting our software companies to see what sort of accessible features that are available that we're just not utilizing um, that can be used to accommodate certain employees. Getting a second screen has helped uh, in terms of employees who with uh, employees that are, you know, have no vision or blind, then you know, screen reading software and making sure that we work with community resources in terms of CNIB or other community supports that are available to ensure that we're thinking of all of the types of accommodations that are possible, including low-cost and no-cost accommodations to make sure that all employees can can do their job effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So it sounds like you put some technology in place and i'm sure there's other simple things that you've done as well um that's fantastic so if i if if i'm an individual that has a disability um which might be visual uh, or sorry it might be um you know you might be able to see my disability or or maybe not um and i'm going to look for employment what are employers looking for? Because, I mean, you're an employer being um, a partner at uh, Cohen Hiley, and I know you also work a lot uh, with other employers around disability. So what are employers looking for? I think that any time candidates are applying for jobs, they uh, do need to put themselves in the shoes of the employer and think about what ways am I 
the best candidate for the job and how do I separate myself from the other candidates? And some of the struggles that I I know people with disabilities can have in the the labor market is a lack of job experience or, um, you know, paid employment, previous paid employment. You know, that first job is always the hardest to get. So in terms of, you know, framing that for an employer, one of the one of the things that people with disabilities can often um, speak to and what the research um, has shown is that people with disabilities can be very innovative employees. Hmm. You know, past experience has often required uh, people with disabilities to think of new and creative ways to get around barriers that they face in terms of their everyday life. Well, that sort of creative, innovative thinking can be very valuable to an employer in a workplace. So to be able to position yourself in the candidate pool as an innovative uh, thinker, as someone who uh, you know finds a barrier and doesn't stop, thinks about different creative solutions to that barrier, whether that be uh, a you know physical or you know, whatever type of barrier you're encountering, those barriers, you're going to experience barriers in the, in your employment as well. So being able to, um, think creatively and react to situations in ways that are innovative rather than, you know, maybe an employee who doesn't have a disability in, in a way that they wouldn't be able to, to think about instinctively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I love that point around creativity and bringing that creativity into uh, your application or the or the interview um, to set you apart. Do you have any um, examples or stories of a, a candidate or um, or someone that's uh, really done a good job of that? Like, I'm just I'm just thinking, how do I go bring that creativity into an interview or into um, an employer where I'm looking? To, to get a job? So I think in terms of, you know, how you're answering questions. So often, you know, in, in employment context, employment interviews, you're going to be asked about a situation where you experienced a challenge and how did you overcome it? Or um, you dealt with a difficult situation and what did you do? How did you respond? So when you're preparing for those interviews, questions, thinking about ways that you're going to address or or highlight those characteristics that you have as as an individual, um, not in a way necessarily that um, that highlights your disability, but that highlights your abilities, that highlights what do you bring to the table that no one else brings. So in terms of someone who, say, has a learning disability, you may require accommodations in terms of requiring additional time to complete um, questionnaires or or other types of documentation during the interview process. So you may need to request accommodation for that. But perhaps one of the things that you've experienced in school is – really challenging situations in terms of your learning disability and innovative and creative ways that you've addressed that to excel or succeed. So being able to reframe those 
challenges as positive experiences and as tools that you bring to the employer, that's really, I think, incredibly valuable and sets you so far apart from other candidates. I love that. I love that taking the uh, mindset of ability and capability and reframing difficult situations that you may have gone through um, and highlighting the solutions and that creativity and that innovation that you're able to come come up with to differentiate yourself from other candidates um, and really highlighting your experiences. I love that, Laura. Um, okay, so that gives, uh, you know, folks that are looking for employment a good job or a uh, you know, uh, an understanding of how they can start to differentiate themselves and make themselves um, attractive to employers. Now, on the employer side of things is where you spend most of um, of your time. So what are uh, some some employers might be scared or just really not know um or maybe have there there might be some myths out there around employing individuals with a with a disability, especially a, a visual disability disability where they can see it. Um, what are some of these myths that exist out there for employers? There are, you know, any number of myths um, out there. The what I'll send to you after is the Ontario Chamber of Commerce has um, an article posted on their website outlining you know, eight of the top myths that employers have about employing someone with disabilities and then some sort of facts that, you know, are, are there to, to bust those myths. Um, this is what I, I spend a lot of time dealing with when I um, speak in an advocacy role in terms of um, employing people with disabilities really is this myth that if you are uh, if you go out and you employ someone, particularly someone with a, a physical or, or visible disability, that the costs of doing so are going to be um, very high, that your out-of-pocket accommodation costs are going to be um, too high and you're just not going to be able to make, have a profitable relationship with this employee. Um, but the, in fact, the research shows the average cost for um, those that do require accommodation is $500. Wow. It's not very much at all. No, it's not. And in terms of um, employee turnover, the the business case for um, employing people with disabilities shows that employee turnover and absenteeism for people with disabilities is actually less than non-disabled coworkers. So in terms of the costs, you know, many employees with disabilities, in, particularly in our experience, at, you know, in an office environment, there are very low cost, no cost solutions available. And those that are, do have a cost associated with them, that average cost for accommodation is $500. Where the benefit that you get just in terms of lower absenteeism and lower turnover is you know a significant value to employers. So when we're talking about how much does it cost to hire people with disabilities, you know what the what the research has shown is that there there isn't that myth that you're going to be out of pocket money if you are start this accommodation process right away um, is just not borne out by the evidence. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's 
great information. So, you know, $500 um, on average in terms of an accommodation, which is pretty low um, for most businesses and um, increased retention um, and, and turnover costs are, are huge. And it's, uh, you know, especially our millennial generation, myself included within that, um, you know, you're lucky if we're staying in a role for one to, to three years. So, um, yeah, so lower turnover is a huge benefit. And I think what that speaks to as well is, um, and I, I think this has been our experience at Cohen Highly, is that there's a certain loyalty um, between people with disabilities and the employers who, uh, you know, maybe they feel take, have taken a chance on them because these myths are out there, because there are so many barriers to employment. Uh, I think that there there is this... Um, this loyalty and, and this desire to be in an inclusive workplace. So once you do, you know, start your employment with an employer who is inclusive, that sense of um, loyalty and sense of um, desire to stay in the position, employee satisfaction can be a lot higher. So those, those are things that are difficult to measure. Um, but, but my perception would be that that would be some of the reason behind the um, low turnover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from your experience, have you seen an impact on things like organizational culture or overall kind of morale of organizations? And maybe you could speak to Cohen Hiley or other organizations that you've worked with, Laura? Sure. I um, started out at Cohen Hiley as a law student, so my um, entire legal career has been at Cohen Hiley. Um, and since I since I got here, they've they've been an inclusive employer. So when I speak to um, loyalty and and the positive experience of, of working for an inclusive employer. Um, that's the that's the primary experience that I have, which is incredibly fortunate. And what I can say is that it is so nice to come into an employment situation where I know that, um, for example, I had a maternity leave, and during my pregnancy and, and during my maternity leave, the firm was incredibly accommodating. And um, was able to think of creative solutions to deal with um, additional time off needed, to deal with um, working from home while on leave, all of those things. You know, I think because we're, you know, are used to thinking about inclusive practices and practices and business practices that maximize our employees' productivity that process was very smooth for me. Right. Interesting. So you saw it trickle down through kind of the whole organization and it's not that inclusive and accessible culture has shifted to um, or has transitioned to not just only um, individuals recognized with a disability, but across um, the whole organization and, and all employees, which is fantastic. Yes, absolutely. And and in terms of dealing with um, temporary disabilities or episodic disabilities, all of these things 
I think the the process that you engage in and the attitude that you have towards them um, or addressing these barriers to maximizing someone's productivity um, or the barriers to employment, those attitudes and, and the process is really crucial no matter what type of disability you're looking at the or the duration um, that part I think is is really employ, important for employers to to focus on uh, as in terms of the process the individual accommodations are going to be different because every individual is different but in terms of how the culture is I think that culture shift is is crucial for employers and employers who do make that shift see a benefit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So if I'm an employer that's looking to become a more inclusive um, or accessible workplace, um, or maybe I'm an employer that um, someone has identified that they have a, a disability and I'm not sure where to start or what to do. What are some of the common questions that you're getting from employers um, that you help them out with? So the the first thing I um, tend to tell employers is that it's important to ask the person how can how can I accommodate you? What barriers are you experiencing? Um, and approach the accommodation request in a collaborative way. I think that the more that you can think in advance of what process and what procedure is appropriate for your organization, the better. Um, we now in Ontario have the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, or the AODA. And the AODA provides um, some structure for employers in terms of creating an individualized accommodation plan and creating a process and a procedure for that to happen under. So if an employer hasn't already gone through that process of creating the, the procedure, um, in terms of my role as a lawyer, first of all, it's important to comply with legislative requirements. So that's certainly something I would have a discussion with an employer about. Um, but in terms of you know, if an employer is um, has a process but still is wondering, you know, what do I do first? Generally, it's it's to ask the person. You know, this is an individual who, uh, you know, potentially has been dealing with, you know, their disability and, and accommodations their entire life. Um, they may already have ideas. Um, about how they can be best accommodated. For example, how they've been received accommodations during school or, um, you know, previous employers. So they're a valuable resource. There are also many resources in the community that can provide input and assistance and free ideas and solutions that employers and employees may not have considered yet. So connecting with those groups can also be really valuable in terms of finding the right solution for the employee and the right solution for the employer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, like you've done partnering with Community Living London. 
Absolutely. So our relationship with them um, is very longstanding. And during the course of someone's employment, you know, it's, it's naive to think that once you have an accommodation plan in place, that's it, you're done because needs change, rules change, you know, in terms of any employee's uh, employment at, a, at an organization, things are going to evolve. The situation will change. Technology will evolve. So being able to, uh, you know, check in and have resources available that you can draw on to uh, address the evolving situation is is so important for employers and for employees. Yeah, so... Um your advice for the employer to um, have the upfront conversation around what's needed for accommodations is great. If I'm the on the employee side of things and I have a disability, um, are you suggesting that I should then you know disclose my disability and what I need kind of upfront, or what's the best way? Or I don't know if there's a best way, but what do you suggest in terms of the employee side of things? So the employee's right to privacy is is also something that needs to be respected throughout the accommodation process. Um, the Ontario Human Rights Commission does have a policy outlining some guidelines on medical information that can be requested by an employer um, and information that employees you know should be providing during this accommodation process. So. Um, I always, you know, direct people to uh, the Human Rights Commission's policies on um, medical information during the accommodation process. It's not so much that an employee needs to disclose the disability or the diagnosis, but functional limitations, um, what the barriers are. So an employer needs to understand what the barrier is in order to provide accommodation. So it does need to be a collaborative process on both sides. So the employer has obligations, but the employee has um, obligations as well in this process. So it's, it's really important that both sides start the process as, as much as they can from a, a collaborative framework of working together to achieve a particular result. And that is to make sure that the employee is fully as, as fully accommodated as possible to be able to maximize their job performance uh, and in a way that is most appropriate for the workplace um, with, while respecting you know, the in- employee's dignity and, and independence. Mm-hmm. And the way that you've described that so beautifully is what the word that comes to mind is partnership and starting that partnership uh, in that employee employer or relationship early and starting on the right foot and to work together to um, remove those barriers to really enable a person's ability and and capability. Um, So I love that. That's great. Yeah, I think that it's it's an important to keep the focus on the person's ability and making sure that we're. Um, I think the the phrase that we've used at Cohen Highly before is reaching through the barriers. So to be able to get past those barriers in a way that is most appropriate um, 
to make sure that we are all achieving the best result. And, and for us, you know, as lawyers, we're very client focused. You know, we do have clients that we're serving um, and being efficient uh, is, is, you know, for most employers is the way we're most productive, the way that we maximize our profits. So I think that it's important for employees to also understand the employer perspective of what the goal is here. And and the goal is to make sure that we, you know, keep our employees. We, we have good, we want to attract good talent. Um, and, you know, very frankly, what the, what the research has shown is that people with disabilities are an untapped labor pool and there are very, um, qualified and talented employees that, you know, are just not being utilized in the labor market the way that they should. And so for employers that provides an opportunity to bring in this talent and, you know, get the benefits of this innovative, creative employees, you know, perspective and, and skills. But the focus for the employer is not charitable. Mm-hmm. So this is not, you know, Cohen Hiley, we don't, we don't look at the employment of people with disabilities as something that we do because we're inherently charitable in nature. We're a for-profit law firm. So, um, this is about, you know, maximizing profits and finding and attracting the best talent and making sure that they have the best ability to do their job. So when we are looking at the accommodation process, it is not, and, and I think that that's, I think that that's a fair thing to acknowledge that it's not a charitable process in terms of, from the employer's perspective, it's not always, you know, just because it's the right thing to do, it's also because this is the thing that we're going to do to maximize our profits is making the employee better able to do their job makes us more money. So uh, in terms of a purely mercenary perspective, um, yes, accommodation is the right thing to do. And it is an obligation under the human rights code. It absolutely is an obligation that employers should be meeting, but employers, you know, can also look at that business case and think about how is this accommodation plan going to be really productive for me and, and maximize my ability to make this employee the most productive they can be. I love that you've highlighted that business case that the disability labor pool is underutilized and there's a ton of talent in there in this time where there's a lot of conversation on the war on talent. And and that's a place where there's a lot of very capable and skilled uh, people that uh, can do amazing work for organizations. And it's not, like you said, it's not charitable. It's... Um, individuals that are going to do you know excellent work and provide also you know meaningful valuable work for them as well and and i love that approach laura um you mentioned a a few things in there you mentioned the human rights commission and um i know there's a, a business case or two that you have so i'll get those from from you and we'll include those in the show notes so laura how can folks uh contact you and um you know either have a conversation with you or um, connect with your firm? 
absolutely. So I practice out of London, Ontario. Um, and my firm is on online at www.cohenhiley.com. And I am available at McKean, M-C-K-E-E-N, at cohenhiley.com. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Laura. So folks, if you're interested in reaching out to Laura or Cohen Hiley, I'll include her info in the show notes. I really am super grateful for you coming on the podcast today. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. No, thank you for inviting me. Okay, thanks, Laura. We'll talk soon. Okay. It was fantastic having Laura on the show. I really love what they've done at Cohen Hiley over the last 25 years to create an inclusive environment for folks with disabilities within their firm. Uh, and I also love the partnership that they've formed with Community Living. And it sounds like that partnership has brought a lot of value to uh, some of their employees and to their firm. So uh, really congrat- congratulate them on the journey they've gone on uh, with inclusion at their uh, workplace. Um, I also really love how Laura brings in some practical advice for uh, you job seekers out there uh, that have a disability um, in terms of how to present yourself to employers, really bringing that uh, creative and innovation, innovative mindset and examples that you've had out in the uh, in your world, in your experiences, and the problem solving uh, that you've done that uh, that will set you apart and differentiate yourself and bringing that into uh, into the interview to uh, to answer questions uh, from those perspectives. So that's awesome. And I also really love how Laura highlighted that the cost is pretty low for employers to um, create uh, or make the workplace accessible, right? $500 on average, and the benefits are super high, right? So creating a more inclusive culture, really uh, getting into that untapped uh, labor pool with a ton of potential and capability, uh, and low turnover rates, Um lower turnover rates than the average um, average employee. So huge benefits. And uh, yeah, so I hope you really got a lot of value to the episode today with Laura McKean of Cohen Hiley LLP. And next week, uh, please join us for episode number five of the Empowering Ability podcast with Sue Simpson of the Waterloo Region Family Network. And Sue and I uh, talk about the value of peer-to-peer, family-to-family relationships. And it's a great conversation. You're going to get a ton of value out of that. And uh, we'd love you to join the conversation over on Facebook. So you can find us just by searching Empowering Ability, and we'll welcome you with open arms into the community. Uh, Love to hear any feedback that you have and suggestions on future topics, future guests, and all that good stuff. So thanks for joining. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability live a full and meaningful life.